When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so game week three comes to a close. Off we head into the international snooze fest, allowing us to step back to look more at how this season shapes up as we progress from the opening stages. Plus, of course, have an opportunity to take a break from thinking about FPL just a little bit. Not me, of course, because I pulled my wall card last night. But, you know, there we go. Uh, we are Who Got The Assist. I'm Tom, WTA FPL on Twitter. 50,000 followers today. Thank you very much. I don't know why you follow me, but uh, very, very kind. My co-host, Anthony, is at FPL Stag. Also on Instagram, WTA.FPL. Make sure to give us a follow on those channels. And if you've enjoyed this, or indeed have enjoyed anything we've done in the past and haven't got around to it yet, this is the last time I'm going to say it this season because I know it's a bit annoying if you've done it already, but please give us a five-star review wherever you listen. This is a hugely appreciated in terms of spreading the word of the podcast. Lead code to IP43T. Never gets any worse, does it? And we're also on video. Um, it will never replace the audio, but just so you know, it's there in case you want to see us unedited for some reason. Mostly me drinking beer. This is uh, FPL Merch's nice glass that I got from him for free. Hashtag ad. Search us on YouTube to find us there. This week, we're joined by a pod debutant. It's a good friend of ours, James Kroll, at FPL underscore JQ. I've met him in real life a few times. He's all right. Welcome yeah. to the pod, J-Dot. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. Debut for me, but I'm in safe hands, as um, as far as I can tell. Yeah, welcome, J-Dot. It's great to have you on. This pod is uh, going to be a bit of an awkward one for me, as we're going to get to in the game reviews. So I'm kind of just, I'm delighted that the international break is coming to rescue me from my FPL stupor. Uh, but this pod, anyway, what we're going to do is uh, deal with the big bomb that hit the football world and the FPL world with the return of Cristiano Ronaldo to Manchester United. That was only confirmed last Friday, of course, well after we recorded our last podcast. That, of course, has led to lots of questions about how to add the 94 goals and 98 Juventus appearances man into FPL teams. But there's been far less questions about how that affects other components of a successful FPL side. So building a bit on last week's pod, where we focused very heavily on premium assets, Ronaldo would be one of those, of course, but we're going to use a slightly different lens. What we're going to ask instead is if we're going to be preserving our free transfers for some sort of premium hokey-cokey, then who are the mid-priced ever-presents who are going to be the set-and-forgets in our FPL sides? We will have correspondence then dealing with the actual Ronaldo question itself, but we're going to unfortunately kick off this podcast with the game re- reviews. We'll get there in a minute. There's a, a bit of a drum roll. Um, I think me and Jay don't have to get through ours quite quickly. Uh, James, uh, you are first as a guest and also as the highest scoring man uh, this week. Um, 65 you got. Talk us through it. How did it go? 
God, well, I guess there's always the tension, isn't there? Of um, that, that was hanging over me all weekend, knowing that I was coming on here. Um, you know, I had to get at least, you know, sort of a respectable, a respectable score. I felt so. Um, yeah, I brought uh, James. In. You don't need to have a respectable score to be on this podcast. Oh, well, see, I'm, I'm a one-off though, so you, you can pull it back next week. This is my one chance. So yeah, 65. Got to be happy with that. Obviously, Greenwood still coming through with the goods. Captain, captain, um, you know, delivered two free transfers, and I sort of rolled one over and used the other to do Veltman, who inexplicably managed to match Kufel this week, despite being ruled out till after the international break. Kind of regret it a little bit, to be honest. Sold up the river by Kufal a bit, but but never mind. Other than that, no complaints really. Sitting at around forty five k, I think at the moment. So yeah, if if you'd have offered me that at the start of the season, I would have bitten your hand off. Yeah, and you've had a couple of decent finishes in recent years as well, haven't you? Yeah, my my highest overall was sixteen seventeen, where I finished two point five k. Um, and I managed to follow that up. I, I then had a couple of sort of middling seat. Well, you know, they were sort of five-figure ranks, but um, but yeah. So um, I think because because that two point five k was my first real solid finish. So I thought oh, it'll be a breeze from here on in. But then yeah. So you know, I, I dropped back a little bit after that. But I've had another ten. And then last season I, I got twenty eight k. So I guess the goal is, is always just to try and beat those really. But um, yeah, really happy with the start of this season. So it's early days though. <laughs> Yeah, right so i was just three points behind you this week 62 um captain antonio so pretty happy with that really i think it was the highest scoring player in my team which is always good when you, when that happens i mean i had blanks from uh, bruno ben rama barnes ailing i didn't say very much mailing to be fair and sanchez in goal and a lot of the legacy players that i bought in game week one came through um so ivan tony danny ings um alexander arnold he did what luke shaw did last week and got two bonus points in the one one out of nowhere really and um, i love creative fullbacks in the one one and mo salah scored a penalty proper bruno versus man city vibes about that one um but yeah 62 it, it's meh i mean i dropped 25k places to 300k or so um my team was not awful there are quite a few kind of problems around the edges and there are a few things i did want to change and more i thought about it i'll speak about it at the end of the pod i kind of thought yeah this might be a good time to wildcard i did roll my free transfer as well and some people may think oh you know you're an idiot because you rolled a free transfer you missed your chance at one week sort of pump but you know what i think it's just the right thing to do for me 300k which is an okay start and um, but i'm yeah looking forward to unleashing my wild card now speaking of unleashing wild cards um anthony you unleashed yours this week how did that go for you you know the way at the moment we're living in a world where global warming is slowly but surely melting polar ice caps <laughs> and there are faraway islands that are sinking um but because most of the world thinks that's a faraway problem it, they don't think it could happen to them so you're like that, Tom. You're the faraway lands. You don't think that they could happen to you. But what happened to me... Oh, believe what's me, it's happening, happened to me a lot, Anthony. Yes. Well, what's happened to me is what's happening to places like Kiribati in the Pacific right now, where I very much sunk in FPL terms. I got uh, James's captain and just one of his midfielders, or indeed your captain and one of your midfielders, scored more than my whole team combined. I got 28 points. I, on live FPL, managed to discover that it does indeed have the functionality for a four-figure rank change in percentage terms. I went up by a thousand percent in my rank from 101k to 1.1 million. 
Oh, I'm sorry, bro. Which is a pretty big fall, uh, especially when you consider that I wildcarded. I might as well go through what I did to start with. So I kept the same two goalkeepers off my wildcard, being Sanchez and good old Renarsson on the old bench. Then in defence, what had been Alexander-Arnold, Shimikas, Sufal, Veltman and White ended up becoming Sufal, Ailing, Livramento, Cody, and I got White back in again on the cheap because he was 4.4 and it was just a handy access route into a good, what should be anyway, a good defence um, for later on with decent fixtures. But I got the value save on that. In midfield, what had been Greenwood, Fernandez, Rafinha, Sala, and Alan. Uh, Alan survived <laughs> just about. Fernandez survived. Rafinha survived. I brought in. Diogo Jota and Ben Rama. So it was Greenwood and good old uh, Salah who dropped out of that. So I could have obviously done the, the opposite of that and kept Salah and kept Greenwood and decided to sell Fernandez and Jota. That would have changed the whole complexion of the game week. But no, I went the other way. Anthony. Yeah. FPL Stag on Twitter was yeah. very condemnatory about a certain Ben Rama all week. This is, this is one of these really uh, annoying things where it's, it's one of these it's one of these things where I actually it's don't know but I actually don't think that people should be saying that there are some people you know laughing that I was right but at what cost and it's kind of like I you shouldn't no one should say I was right about Ben Rama based on one week you know no, like no I, I know but the, the, underlying com- data, the, the comedic effects I know but it does just, work hard for, for you uh, Tom it's funny but to someone else they actually might genuinely think I was right about Ben Rama all along and yeah. that's like that's that's a concerning mentality to have like that's outcome bias of the highest order <laughs> like the fact of the matter is I don't think Ben Rama is a good pick but I was swerving the template so much already with the godforsaken team that I decided right I'd better just put that lad in because the fact of the matter was was like otherwise I was going to end up putting and I, and I swear to god someone like gray into my team i was like that's a bit of a gamble and i didn't want to do that yeah i know, I know. um then up front sorry just the the forward line went from the classic ings tony and antonio i kept antonio thank goodness that was never um off the agenda and then i also had kane and lukaku came into my side kane was captain he got a two-pointer and that includes the oh. doubling yeah, so but the thing with Kane was that like he did have the opportunities. It's really frustrating. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, he look he had okay. You only have if you look at the stats, he had I think it's one shot. The thing is, is that if you watched any of the highlights or watch any of the game or whatever, you kind of yeah, see that he's like yeah, yeah. almost there that was multiple cool. times. Could have had a pen. This is it. And like you know, if we go through the live FPL data on you know <laughs> the effective points against me, not not that I prepared a case for myself or anything, but if we no. go through the data which I was painstakingly put together before yeah. this podcast to prove I'm lucky, yeah. Um, the the biggest hit to my rank was Mo Salah, the little known Egyptian midfielder who scored, um, who had a 99% EO against me. So his 10 points counted for 9.9 against me. That was pretty hard. The thing that's frustrating there is that actually Salah had a relatively, from an FPL perspective, anonymous yeah, game against yeah, Chelsea, yeah. except for the fact that he got a penalty. And that's like, not to sound like, you know, someone on Analytics FC going mad, but like that's variance of the highest order. The penalty, like, and, and like that ruins the Lukaku pick. And Lukaku in and of himself, depending on which XG model you look at, still ended up with the second highest XG in that fixture behind Mo. And Salah. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, Antonio, not to mention the red card as well. But yeah, the red card is, the, of course, that means that Lukaku mm. doesn't end up having another chance effectively. And like, that's, yeah. that's unfortunate. Uh, Antonio obviously hit me because I didn't captain him. That's, that's life. 
Shaw hit me hard. His six-pointer still hit me for 4.99. Greenwood, who I obviously sold, this hit me particularly hard in the soul. His eight points hit me for 3.99. Trent, who I didn't have in his poxy bonus points, meant that his four points hit me for 3.24. And then there's the likes of Ingsan, Tony, DCL, Reguillon, Dina, Diaz, whatever. Like, they all hit me for sixes and yeah, sevens. Yeah, um, all but, in all, there was just quite a few things went wrong. And I know... The thing is, is that, okay, I, I think the one thing that I really want to focus on from an FPL perspective here is that I sold Salah. And I think that most people would say that's that's mad. Now, we looked, Tom, only just last week at a premium hokey pokey and selling Salah seemed like it made sense yeah, based on the fixtures over about a two-week period. The reason why I kept Fernandez was I really, really feared United having a really, really good game against Wolves. Um, him exploding and if I'd taken him out of my side I didn't feel you can't cover and I hate the word cover but you can't cover Fernandez with Greenwood especially yeah, because Greenwood yeah. felt like he was going to become a transfer waiting to happen with the Ronaldo signing sure. uh, whereas to an extent in open play you can cover Salah with Jota the problem is, is that when you don't have the open play part it really yeah. really goes horribly wrong the rest of the picks like look they will come good and I'm not yeah, no, I don't absolutely. I don't think this was a bad wildcard team uh, it was just an unfortunate <laughs> set of events, like a confluence of events, the likes of which I could not have imagined pre-game. Yeah. Was it all right on the night? Absolutely not. It was an absolute disaster. Um, was it a bad team? Did you make obvious mistakes? Absolutely didn't. Basically, what this to me hinges on is the fact that you went with Bruno and Jota over Salah and Greenwood. Like, yeah. if you'd have done that other 50-50, you'd be... All right, admittedly, you wouldn't be having an amazing time with it, but you'd be kind of in 48 or something like that and you'd be all right you know um but you knew you were taking a risk you knew you were taking risk not having Salah you knew you were having taking risk not taking Trent you knew you were taking risk not taking Shaw and I think having those players who are really high EO owned players um and not having them in your team like you know, in the past I friend baby out of the bathwater like you no know, last season on my wild card I threw out Kane and Son first week without them they combine you know yeah. it, it's one of those things where like i guess you've always been a bit kind of you haven't disregarded the eo but you've always been a guy who's kind of like well, i'll do my own thing like the eo is obviously there but i'll do my own thing it just wasn't all right on the night in such a spectacular way yeah that you have this is i thing. think been a bit unlucky this is <laughs> um, the thing i do feel i my last three wild cards um, as far as my memory serves anyway have were relatively successful and i don't tend to go wild card with the bunch and it, you know, yeah, I, I, I follow my intuition. It tends to work out. And unfortunately, it just really, really didn't this time. Well, you know, I'll just say, like, Kane does this, though, doesn't he? He dangles that cherry in front of you and he just... It's happened to me more than once, you know. He, I've, I've seen that prime home fixture and I thought, there's got to be a way to get Kane in here. And I've done it and he's and he's roared me with one pointer. I remember that Cardiff game. That was the night I met you and you were so that sheepish. Was, yeah, it's, God, I, I was I was like, do, do I even turn up to this event? Like, it was, it was brutal. Because <laughs> I think everyone else had Captain Hazard that night. Anyway, yeah, it's just one of those things, isn't it? You see that home Watford fixture and you kind of, you, you kind of move everything around just to try and target that. I mean, Watford yeah, haven't been up, up to much. You see, the thing with Kane in this in this situation was I get Kane in for a few weeks and that, you see, I have 1.1 million in the bank that sets me up to make him Ronaldo. And this is the thing was that the yeah. wildcard set me up that I had Kane, who was top of most of the algorithms as a pick for this week in terms of expected points and things. I had him for this week as a differential, like crazy to have a yeah. multiple time 200 club member as a captain. Yeah, exactly. And then I get myself yeah. to a Ronaldo. Yeah. This is the thing. I, I suppose selling Kane before Palace is, is tough now as well. 
This is actually part of the reason why I went for Lukaku and Kane up top. I'd mm. give myself the choice of which one do I sell. Yeah, but now they've both got plum fixtures on paper. I actually feel like I might just leave them both there as some sort of stubborn, yep. you know, F you to yep. the world and just Sunk, expect them both that to cost. get two expect, free transfers. Wait, for, wait for them both thing. to get 20 points the next week and just smile or something. Well, therapy session over for the time being. Let's move on to our objectives quickly uh, before we head into the market forces. Oh, um, this is something that we've been kind of looking <laughs> after this year um, just because we want to keep ourselves accountable. And it's going to be something that we're going to keep doing every week. Um, hopefully, you know, after hearing the first pod of the season, some of you guys did do that too. We'll recount them very quickly some weeks and other weeks, maybe we'll be looking at them thinking, hmm, how have we failed? Speaking of failure, that was a really bad segue, but I'm just going to go with it. Anthony, how have you done with your objectives this week? I, so I followed the captaincy, which was to captain with the herd or the algos. I captained hard on algos this week and very much ignored the herd. Transfers, I certainly wasn't afraid to transfer eight elite players if I thought they'd dropped off. Even when I didn't think they'd dropped off, I still did it. Uh, the timings. This is where I've had a real failure, Tom. Don't make transfers day. late, late, late on a Friday night slash Saturday morning. Yeah, I woke, up, I woke up on Saturday morning and I saw that you've been speaking to our friend, Bernardo uh, Maldonado in New Jersey and our other friend, uh, Alex Ball in New Zealand, up until the very small hours of Friday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I, I remember seeing those messages the next morning and thinking, oh, something, something's cooking here. Because I hadn't revealed all week. Tom, you were aware I was on wildcard. You and Nick were. But I hadn't revealed I was on a a wildcard to the Slack group at all, all week. And was just there kind of slowly watching as like all these big transfers happened. And I was like, oh my God. I actually was thinking, oh my word, I've got this perfect opportunity and no one else has the balls to do it. (laughs) You know, I thought I was really honest. You you, you Um, were doing the end Saturday morning, weren't you? Well, I... As it transpired, I didn't actually change much on the Friday night. But the fact of the matter was, was that I was still sitting on it and having, you know, a bit of a conversation about what I was doing. And I did. I Did I make two changes on that night? Yeah, I probably did. So, I, yeah, I very much broke that objective. It's Black Mark Country name, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and then Sorry, uh, that, obviously the play style thing um, took a wild card. So it was really massive this week. No. No. Okay, um, captaincy-wise for me, um, my budgets are one captaincy. Do what Mikel's algorithm told me to do every week, just because my captaincy is awful. Um, I think I, I would have told you to have Captain Kane. He did, he did, he did indeed. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I didn't have Kane, and I would have had to take yep. a minus F, four minus eight to captain. So I kind of there's a bit of leeway yep. in that. So oh, there third is. Yeah, was, I'm just third choice was hanging myself here. So I just left that there. <laughs> um, chances 50, 50 50 situation, take a hit. Didn't have any 50-50s. Trans will take a chance on form buying bandwagoning players. Well, there were no real bandwagons for me last week, so I already owned the players people were jumping on. Number one, captaincy. Again, achieved. Hooray. I mean, James, are you doing any kind of thing this year around this? Well, yeah, in terms of captaincy, you know, that's always been my Achilles heel, to be honest. So more so this season than ever, I am kind of outsourcing the captaincy a little bit to the Algos. You know, when it actually comes down to it, there's going to be weeks where I'm like, no, do you know what? I, I, I've got to go with the gut there. And, and I'm still trying to do that to an extent. I mean, perhaps I suppose I'd say I'm overthinking it less. I am going with the more obvious pick. In terms of transfers, it's one of those where I think I normally wildcard quite early, like normally around this time, actually. But this year, I kind of looked at the fixture planner kind of, you know, uh, quite early on. And uh, yeah, like really early on, identified that game week yeah. seven, eight international break as like, yeah. you know, there's an, an, uh, there's an amazing kind of, um, kind of fixture switch, switcheroo there. 
uh, with with City and Chelsea. Oh, so absolutely. this is kind of um, sort of you know uncharacteristically late for me. If all goes to plan, that's when I'm planning to wildcard. I think that's kind of led me into making a sort of a, a kind of a loose transfer planner up until then, which obviously never works out. But you know, it, it, in my head, I've I've got a bit of a transfer roadmap up until there. You never really stick to it, do you? But you know, you, I guess I think for me, it kind of helps with stru- team structure a little bit because, you know, you set up with the view to either keeping that kind of team structure or at least you know what you're doing with those players within those certain price brackets, whether you're going to move them up at a certain point or, or move them down and, and reshuffle the deck chairs. Yeah, um, yeah. It does at least kind of help you kind of know not necessarily who you're transferring in and out, but but how your structure is going to look week to week. You know, I mean, it's early days. I don't know whether it's helping or not yet. I've only made one transfer so far this season, and it was Kufal in. So so far, not going so well. <laughs> Loves a big chance, doesn't he? Right. Let's move on to the market forces here, um, just because yeah. we've yeah. uh, just spent a lot of time uh, with Anthony lamenting his life, which is which is fair play. Um, but this is market forces, we look at the moves and shakes in transfer market, and to get an idea of how. Everybody is reacting uh, in terms of transfers to the game we've just gone. Let's just blast through it. Given that in, the international break is here, so there's plenty of time for people to be making more transfers. The top transfers in, really, it's uh, Antonio and Ferran Torres who are leading the way. 332k transfers in for Antonio already and a quarter of a million transfers in for Ferran Torres. The likes of Benrama, Greenwood and Demeroy Gray are following in there with kind of the mid-100k-ish transfers in. So it's you know pretty much concentrated in midfielders and Antonio in terms of the transfers in. The transfers out, though, and interestingly, the most transferred out player is Shimikas, 163k transfers out. Ings follows him, 159k. He might have three returns in three weeks, but none of them feel normal. <laughs> They've all felt a little bit fluky. So I can kind of see how the tide is turning against him and Villa in general. Uh, we've got uh, Reese James in there, 127k transfers out. That's obvious enough why that is the case. Richarlison, 96k transfers out. And then there's kind of a smattering of players who have kind of you know high five figures in terms of transfers out. Mings, White, Barnes, Pogba, and Ihinacho, Tony are kind of the main ones that you might discuss in that group. Broadly, people who are transferring in right now are basically following the form guide with maybe the exception of Ben Rama, who obviously didn't fire this week. And then the transfers out, you know, it's Shimakas whose place is lost, Ings, whose and fixtures are turning and who is obviously uh, just kind of performing. Martinez is also transferred out by 165,000. Um, oh, I never even, I never look at goalkeepers, sorry. He's off to Argentina. Yes, he's, he's so heading he's away and once he goes away. So uh, people miss, are looking at 5.5 5 million. Is that it is an awful lot. Goalkeeper? He could yeah, be so, 5.4 soon though. Sale. Yeah. So he's the, top, he's, he's the top transfer out just about, but as I said, barely look at goalkeepers for this. So it's a bit of a surprise that that's happened. Yeah, he's, he's, he's 3, 000, actually. Yeah, 3,000 um, more transfers out than Jim McCast. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, sorry, missed that one. I didn't That's scroll up that high. I'm, I'm unprecedented, I'm guessing. Right, okay. So the theme this week is how will FPL change with Ronaldo? Uh, with the announcement, as I've mentioned earlier, that Ronaldo is indeed returned to the Premier League, I guess this pod becomes a bit of an addendum to the last one. And that was still analysing the game and trying to forecast the way in which the season's going to fall out. And we're looking at the mid-price set and forgets. Because if we're accommodating a player like Ronaldo, these guys have become so important in terms of providing the platform to enable you to make your transfers elsewhere, as we talked about last week. Last week, last time on WGCA, we spoke about quite a few things 
deep breath. Last time we asked if we could be more aggressive in FPL, we looked at the 200 club. We identified that last season we only had four entrants for us in seasons before we've had a fair few more, an average of six. We picked out that there were a lot more premiums this season, which has been bolstered, of course, by Ronaldo. I presented you with a potential fixture plan to jump around the premiums and suggested that you could be more aggressive if you use your FTs in a way that meant that you could basically move around the premiums to shoot the fixtures. That then threw the spotlight onto the Rikers and Robins a bit. Those are the players who aren't going to be quite the main man, but you can kind of cover them. Greenwood has now outscored Bruno, for example. That also threw the spotlight onto Trent and Robertson as being forgotten men too in the lust for premiums and suggested that they actually constitute good value. <sighs> anyway, if you want to hear more about that, listen to the first half of last week's pod because we went into that in great detail. I did that very, very quickly. I'm aware of that. I apologise for not a native English speaker. But we're picking this all up from here. Because if we're spending all of our transfers on premiums, we're not going to want to spend those transfers on the rest of our team. We're going to want to pick players who are long-term investments among the support staff who will be able to, for the most part, hopefully leave alone to generate points for us, enabling us to focus, as I mentioned, on that potential premium merry-go-round, if that's indeed the way you choose to play the game. Um, it's also good for me as a wildcarder because I'm able to hear you guys' thoughts. It turns into a bit of a wildcard sort of you know, therapy session for me, which is brilliant. They're brilliant to have two decent managers telling you what to do. And you may not be persuaded by that and still fancy kind of sticking with your men. You may have kind of listened to last week or listened to my kind of very, very bridge version there and think, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm a loyal guy or girl or other. And, and I'm going to be kind of sticking to my players no matter what. That's cool too. Um, but here, I guess the focus will still be relevant um, because we're going to be zeroing in on the mid-priced, as Anthony mentioned, ever-presence um, in defence, midfield and up front, who are showing signs or you know, have the potential, obviously we know there's constricted data, of being worthy as being long-term inclusions in our squads. So really, it's it's all those players that are between your fodder, very cheap players and, of course, the actual premium. So for your strikers, really, it's your anyone kind of under kind of 8.5 and then maybe above 5.5 to 6. And you could have maybe two or three of those strikers in your team, independent. So, you know, the, the classic team at the start of this season uh, with the classic forward line of Ings, Tony and Antonio was a bit of a kind of a break from this idea. But now what we're starting to see is that, you know, the support striker du jour is very much going to be Antonio, but there will probably be another if people are going to go with a single premium striker, let's say up front in a Lukaku or a Ronaldo indeed type phase. Even if you go with uh, Ronaldo and uh, Lukaku, let's say as well, you're probably going to be talking about having that third striker in there still as your support slot. In midfield, you would either have one or two premium midfielders in all likelihood, which means you have kind of two to three mids that you might be talking about who would be your support slots. Either way, those are going to be either your third and fourth and maybe even your fifth mid, your third and fourth mid, or your fourth and fifth mid if you don't go for a 4.5 hero like Alan in your side. Then when you're looking at defence, it's a little bit more nebulous, but you're still talking about kind of players who are in that maybe 5.0 up to um, maybe it's kind of the six yeah, yeah five point five six it's 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 harder kind of to say because it's arguably of course Trent is kind of in a league or maybe with Robertson or in kind of a league of their own in terms of yeah. price but then kind of between them and your Sufals basically there's there's quite a lot of potential support players in there who you could very much be considering because at the end of the day they still take up budget and are formed part of the greater team structure so either way what we're talking about if we're just kind of talking about we're talking about as many as two defenders as many as three midfielders and as many as two strikers could be the support slots depending on your team your team structure so let's look at these through that lens of the question how will Ronaldo change FPL or at least how will as we said last week that 
advent of loads of premiums mean that we've got to play aggressively. Um, I think that there are definitely in every position a lot of emerging candidates that we could probably look at and assess quickly um, throughout this podcast, just because these guys are going to be those ever-presents, uh, the glue guys, as late riser would call them, um, in the defence, in the midfield, in the attack at certain price points, which is definitely worth discussion, just because the idea is you're going to want to take these guys, leave them there, and focus those transfers on moving the premiums around. Uh, let's start in the defence. And as my opening gambit here, I want to mention centre-backs. I know we'd normally say, and a wise Maldonado once told me, uh, that centre-backs are a thoroughly unsexy pick we should leave to the end of the season. But if we're now in a situation where we're trying to limit transfers, because we are going to be looking at moving the premiums around a lot, surely this pushes the emphasis onto expected minutes for your defenders. And obviously there's lots of very sexy, you know, wing-backs and things like that. But if you look around the premium teams, apart from Liverpool, where you know Trent, for example, is staying on a wild card, he's, he's not going anywhere. Um, actually, perhaps the centre-backs are the main source of set-and-forget value out there. I'm just going to nominate uh, but one in particular who's Rudiger at Chelsea. 5.5 this season. He was just 4.5 last year, which is a bit mad in retrospect. But that's the that's the Tushar effect, I think. So his first game was game at 20 versus Wolves in the 0-0, the new manager that is. And Rudiger played 15 out of 21 games off the back of uh, his appointment. He managed 73 points in that period. He was the sixth highest for defenders. He scored more points over the back end of last season than the likes of Robertson and Cancelo. But X-Min wise, expected minutes wise, this guy is the cornerstone of the Chelsea defence now and centre back. Um, surely a 5.5 is worth a look for your teams in the long term. I mean, yes, he's not going to be off scoring reams of goals nor getting loads of assists, but does he really need to? Like, he's a solid, dependable asset who has the capability to get you clean sheets. A kind of unsexy player never spoken about in fantasy football, but one which, if we were saying, yeah, you know, transfers need to be focused on you know, messing around with the premiums, perhaps you want a guy like that as being a solid foundation type pick. I mean, I'm aware that we're now kind of conflating with keepers. Like, I'm basically talking about Rudiger as if he is, you know, Mendy in goal. I mean, obviously he's got competition from the likes of, you know, the old warhorse uh, Thiago Silva. There's him, there's Christensen, the new contract has been signed, he's 5 million, he started three out of three, mm. so maybe he could be quite good. Um, and great fix for Chelsea from game week seven onwards. A guy like Rudiger is long-term hold, one who could climb in price pretty rapidly. I mean, Diaz reached six last year from 5.5 starting point, especially when Chelsea reached their tranche of, of kind of a really good fixtures. He could save me a transfer there. But the thing with Rudiger as well, and I think I'm with this Chelsea defence in general, is that they are probably the best defence in the league. They pretty much were neck and neck with Pep City in the second half of last season. Rudiger himself obviously being nearly ever-present. I remember him not playing a few games, but, you know, the big games for Chelsea at that point were in the Champions League so that wasn't I wouldn't necessarily I take that with a pinch of salt but you you know you mentioned Aspiriqueta he's that extra 0.5 and I don't think he's worth that extra 0.5 Absolutely not. but to have this access to a player and I don't even think you need to wait for Chelsea's forms or fixtures to really flick to feel that Rudiger is potentially good value like if you look at any of the kind of you know the team stats right now Chelsea are already right up there in terms of the um, you know expected clean sheet and even against Liverpool they were that can was... say off the pitch. He went off half time injured, and he was. Yep. Still, they they were still incredible. I mean, they're the highest scoring defender right now, Anthony. Who is it? Probably still Alonso, is it? 
Yeah, it is. So he's played three out of three. I'm not sure what's happening there, but he's second for chance great amongst defenders. I listened to that match on the radio and there's a bit of consensus about that Chilwell just is still carrying a bit of an injury. Yeah, he's risen twice now. He's 5.7. Um, he can't, can he? No. Um, so Rudy goes on one hand. Maybe Christensen as well, 5.0. Like He's kind of sneaking into a lot of wildcard teams. He's definitely sneaking into mine. Got a new contract recently and um, uh, Tuchel was very, very you know, effusive about him. The other kind of sense back I want to mention quickly is Diaz, obviously. He's signed a new contract recently. He's a pep untouchable six. Same logic basically as Rudiger. Another solid unsexy pick. Um, but I guess kind of the key question to throw to you guys is centre-backs. Just because people always kind of say you know, centre-backs are very, very uninteresting. They're the ones you buy at the end of the season when we're all worried about other rotation elsewhere. I mean, um, James, what do you reckon about centre-backs, especially if we're looking to just kind of have that kind of set and forget level of value it really does make sense to highlight these two teams, uh, Man City and Chelsea. You know, at, at this stage of the season, uh, a lot of people do often, and I, and I find it sort of every season, tend to, you know, start with a fairly expensive defence, see all these, you know, premium options coming in and, and start moving their money forward. But inevitably, there will come a time where these Chelsea and City players will, will kind of verge on kind of must-have territory. And, you know, we're looking at, at sort of game week seven, game week eight, again, where I think you know people are going to be looking at having at least at least one from either or both of those teams, um, and obviously it just so happens as well that these are the two teams that do rotate more than anyone. If you're wanting defensive coverage there, you're, and if you're someone who values those safety of starts over anything else, then you know you really are looking at, you know Diaz, um, you you know Rudiger, Christensen. Although even they were rotated at times, it does seem like maybe that. Tuchel is settling on a, on his back three a little bit. We might draw on your uh, fandom a little bit here, James, because if I was to look at the clean sheet so far, it would suggest to me that Spurs are the defence that we want to have. Three clean sheets, they're the only team to have three clean sheets at this point. Now, if you were to look at expected clean sheets, they're 0.98. Um, this is the trouble. <laughs> suggests that they're um, overperforming like nobody yeah. else in terms of clean sheets so far. Would you put a Spurs player anywhere near your defence? Uh, any of even the expensive ones or even just the cheaper ones just while we're on it? Yeah, I, you know, I do actually regret um, not bringing uh, Reggion in this week. Um, um, I, I toyed with the idea of, of bringing him in over, over Kufau. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I kind of, you know, it's more Nuno than, than Spurs, I suppose, because we know about his history with fullbacks and, and how yep. well fullbacks have, have tended to uh, perform under him um although you know we, we've seen him use a back three with, with wing backs more often than than he is now but even so you know you look at someone like region who um who does like to get forward doesn't always have the best end product but i thought you know there was always a chance that he would do well under nuno i, I think he's the second highest scoring defender so far this season um i might, yeah. might be wrong about four, that. four bonus points three clean sheets job done uh, for Epilogue. yeah so naturally i'm kicking myself a little bit for not bringing him in I mean, Nuno seems to be getting a tune out of Dyer and, and Sanchez. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's some credit due there. Um, but things could change, you know, we're being linked with uh, Emerson Royale from um, from Betis, or formerly Betis, now Barcelona, to come in at right back potentially. And, and we've got, um, obviously, Christian Romero still to come into the side. He's off on international duty, as far as I know. I suppose it's his partner who you want to look at, and I'm still not 100% sure who that is. My guess is probably Dyer. Because Dyer is a little bit more of a old school, Romero is a little bit more progressive. 
I mean, there's lots of options there because of the free clean sheets. Yeah. Everyone's looking at those players, and especially they, they, they're in that kind of you know, nice kind of golden zone for being that second or third defender um, that you'd be really interested in for populating this particular slot. I mean, for me, I'm going to throw in a couple here away from centre-backs. I'm not going to be obsessed with centre-backs forever. Obviously, you mentioned they're a regular on there, James. Um, but you've got um, a couple that are really kind of high in mind for me. One is Kieran Tierney, uh, Arsenal fixtures do turn. He's down to 4.9 now. They've got Norwich, Burnley, Spurs, Brighton, Crystal Palace, and Aston Villa in the next six. So there's potential for points there. And obviously, maybe feel less it's back at times. And he's also four for defenders in terms of chances created. But I'm just not sure I can put myself through owning him being an Arsenal fan. I just don't think I can do it. I'm worried about us. We'll speak up this later in the questions. But it's woeful stuff going on down the Emirates. Um, but there's one man I want to mention. And it's it's a man I didn't think I'd be mentioning at all. Uh, but it's Semedo at Wolves. Uh, 4.9 million, uh, same as Tierney. Uh, 73 points uh, second half of last season. Not the best footballer in the world. Um, let me just say oh, that. I mean, if you, if you if you've watched mm-hmm. him play, you will know that he is not the best footballer in the world. And what I like about Semedo is obviously the average position, same thing you guys did like. Um, so on, in lager football, which is uh, similar in some ways to Nuno football as well, um, there's high wing backs, lots of involvement from them, and lots of crosses made as well by Wolves. They've actually made the third most crosses so far. I think they're fourth for shots overall. The idea is that Wolves will eventually get there because they've played really well over the first three games of the season. They've just not scored a damn goal. And and you've got to be thinking that at 4.9, given his average position, which is really encouraging, his SGI, which is fairly encouraging as well, Smedo could be part of that. The next four before the next international break after this, they've got Watford, Brentford, Southampton, Newcastle. Um, it's, it's obviously hoping for a thing called returns, and a hope is a big word. Um, but at 4.9, he could be really good for that. I'm more infused by him than Anthony's man, Cody, and Martial, that's for sure. Ah, uh, Cody's been following in those corner kicks and just hasn't quite got a touch on one yet it's coming it's coming for him but I, I do think he's a pretty good pick still 4.5 solid guy to have good fixtures it's, it's just everything you've said basically but when it comes to these defenders I think what we need to really just like to drag us back to what we were talking about here and it's like what's actually what's Ronaldo going to do to this or what is the premium push going to do to this and I think everyone's going to end up with probably more than two premiums in their sides once they hit those wild cards in the next few weeks um what I suggest that this would happen, what would happen with this slot really is that pre CR7 or pre the premium rush, you might have had teams in the template with Trent Alexander Arnold plus one of these supporting defenders. Post CR7, I think you're kind of going to be looking at Trent Alexander Arnold and none of them at all. Maybe one or two of the support players, I think you could do, but I think then at that point, you're going to be talking about sacrifices further forward. I wouldn't be surprised if we see an awful lot of teams with the likes of Diaz, the likes of Rudiger, and then an awful lot of fodder. And then you could have teams like my wildcard team, which was kind of trying to actually, oddly enough, stretch myself to make sure that I made sure I wasn't missing attacking returns early on. I could work it out later and move money back eventually and have none of these players. Um, although, you know, when you see the Chelsea fixture swing and the City fixture swing to come, that's when I felt I was going to be bringing money backwards again. Didn't quite work out that way. Either way, if you're going to have any more than one of these players, what you're really going to be talking about is cutting money down in the midfield. And I think that brings us nicely forward to the midfielders and the many, many support players that will be vying for our attention for those, you know, midfield third and fourth slot or midfield fourth and fifth slot or even indeed the third, fourth and fifth midfield slots in our sides. 
it's no secret, of course, that Ben Rama is one of the most popular ones of these players, but there is the likes of Greenwood, Jada, Gray, Rafinha, Torres. So there's so many options in this bracket. Really interested to hear, James, your thoughts on this bracket. How many players do you expect to keep in this bracket? Even I know we'll take you forward a little bit to this wildcard you'll do eventually. Do you think you'll still have as many as you have right now? How many do you have right now? What will the effect be? Earlier on, I kind of spoke a little bit about how you've got to get on these kind of mid-priced assets early with, with the view to being flexible and moving them around. But as you guys have alluded to already, that's starting to change a little bit now. Um, you're, we're now looking for uh, mid-priced assets that, that are going to be the set and forgets and we, you know, with, with a view to perhaps moving these premiums around because we can't afford them all. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's got to that point where... Um, I'm, I'm going to be really trying to kind of focus on who it is that I trust to be able to keep their long term. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, which is which is kind of not how I went into the season. I went in with, you know, a couple of players. So I thought I, I can maybe get a couple, couple of weeks out of these two and um, yeah. perhaps, you know, move off them. Um, with a view to keeping those premiums in place, and then Lukaku came in, and Ronaldo's <laughs> come in. So, a, a, so month, a month of... ago, a month ago, where we all thought we were going to be on Bruno and Salah for thirty-eight yeah. weeks, that's a long time ago now. So, I mean, I've been quite fortunate in 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 the respect that those two guys that I I, I thought I was going to be selling on after a couple of game weeks, Greenwood and and Ben Rama, have ended up kind of cementing their positions and. I, 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 I do feel like now watching Greenwood every week that players like him are, are, are kind of unexpectedly starting to cement their spot. Do you think he's cementing his place both in Ole's side and your own side, or do you think he'll still show him the door here? I mean, I, I think it's one of those where I, I will just assume he'll keep playing until he doesn't. And if you were and, to wildcard tomorrow, which two midfielders would you pick? If you didn't, so you had the chance to, without any sort of detriment to your side, ditch ben, Greenwood and Benarama if you felt like yeah. it. Do you change? If I was wildcarding, Greenwood would perhaps stay for now, just because United fixtures are, are so fanciable. The next few, I still think in terms of going, you know, goal scoring, it, it's going to be good for them. Um, Jota is another one who's crashed back in. He always creeps back in. I mean, this is all dependent on the kind of Bobby Firmino injury update. Obviously, he went off with a hamstring injury. Yeah, I think I would I would probably be looking at Greenwood and Jota at the moment. Obviously, Torres is in and around there as well. I was going to throw in here, I think, because obviously you've got Ben Rama, Anthony, obviously was denigrating him all week. Um, missed the chance in the West Ham game. And like not to register, I've made 0.4 on him now. So it's 0.2 profit. Surely it's now become a case of when do I sell with him? Uh, only six shots taken, yeah. four chances created, two goals, two assists. Is that sustainable? Absolutely not. There's no way that's going to happen anymore. Um, am I going to sell him? No, as well. Southampton, Man United, Leeds, and Brentford next four. And uh, you know Greenwood as well. Um, I mean, I've been punished by him for the last few weeks. I know James, you were very close to arguing with me to put him in. And I was very, very close to, you. and I went with uh, Gundogan, one of those sort of sliding doors moments at the start of the season. Um, but I mean, you both mentioned Torres. He's one I've got at the moment. Um, he's risen actually this week, seven point one now. Um, but I, I guess it's kind of contextual, as it always is with Man City players. It's contextual why I've got Torres. Like no striker at City at the moment. Uh, Jesus on the ring. Could it be Ferran time? I mean, it could be reactionary as well. You know, people may be screaming, yeah, but he scored two goals, one assist, and he blanked versus Norwich. Got a goal scrubbed. Um, so is that why you've got him in? Yeah, like this this week, it obviously looks great getting him in. The problem Absolutely. is that we're recording this on Monday night, transfer deadline days, in about 24 hours from now. And if there's a striker brought in, you're off it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if not, though, there's obviously the Pep Pet project potential about Torres. Uh, Sam Lee at the Athletic has mentioned how the staff at City noticed he was better in the box and outside the box and has basically said they're converting him into number nine. Obviously, it's a bit ropey. Is he going to play the number nine there? Is he going to be the new Aguero? Will they revert to a false nine? Hmm. But if they've got nobody else and Jesus is now a winger, which is, seems to be what Pep is saying, why not? I mean, I'd not be as open to a gamble there with a player like that if he was like eight-ish. Yeah. But <laughs> 7.1 for City's number nine for the foreseeable future, I'm talking about in the next six, seven game weeks. That's a pretty decent gamble, isn't it? I mean, City do, do make a lot of chances. They've created 11 big chances already in three game weeks. Like, why the hell not look at the central guy and think, well, he's worth including in my team? He's not particularly involved in the play, actually, if you watch. That's good. He's, he's kind of moved into yeah. kind of more of a Ronaldo sort of create, literally just looking to kind of get on the end of it role. But he doesn't need to be, as you guys have just kind of alluded to. It's all about finishing. If Pep thinks he can do it, and Pep's a lot better foot manager than I am, I'm happy to see how that plays out at 7.1. So, James, just you mm. mentioned there with the midfielders that you had Greenwood and Jota would probably be the two you'd pick. Now, that suggests to me that if you were in this hypothetical wildcard that we were discussing, you would probably be thinking about trying to get two elite forwards into your side in a way. This is this, Have I assumed too much? My instinct would be that I probably, you know, I still probably would want Salah in there. It would probably yeah. be one, although... You know, it is hard to overlook, certainly if you're wildcarding this See, week. The thing um, is, is that if you're looking at one, then you're probably looking at a third player in this slot, aren't you? And I think that's that's what's kind of interesting about what Ronaldo is doing to our brains, is that you're probably now going to be looking at putting a third one of these midfielders into your team if you were to fit slotted around. Would that be the likes of Gray, Rafinha, or someone else? I've had Smith Rowe, actually, from the start of the season, who obviously hasn't done anything yet. But... Commiserations, yeah. Yeah, but he's mostly been been sitting on the bench, and and now supposedly it's time to shine. But um, if I did want to upgrade him to a, a sort of more of the one of these kind of mid price guys, then you've got the Wolves players who seem to. It's not quite <laughs> happening there yet, is it? Trinkau's, you know, no. Very the chances, silky, like... the the expected stats are brilliant, but if you just look at yeah. it at all, you're thinking no. There are so many kind of options around, aren't there? You've got likes of Rafinha, who's not going to Brazil, mm. as far as we know at this point. That's probably going to date the pod immediately. Um, obviously, at Leeds, has a rich stat profile from last year in the top 10 mix for shots and chance creation. What we like to see, really. A poor man's Hazard. Um, Leeds embark on a brilliant set of games, um, and he's been kept sufficiently quiet thus far. Um, like Anthony, uh, you know, not going to be pushing him too far forward, hoping that he stays a differential. Um, but a good long-term investment. Because um, after Liverpool, you've got no games to worry about um, against any top four team. Only game uh, West Ham, um, a game which you've got to worry about. Yep. Um, but they're all good fixtures for Leeds, basically. West, and West Ham least. do not keep clean sheets. Exactly. So until <laughs> mid-December, you're pretty damn good. The definition yep. of set and forget in the context of the question we're asking. Yep. And a couple of others as well. So Gray, nowhere in the stats. Proper ex-lively. The Guardian said he was responding well to the manager putting faith in him. Hmm. But watch out for Luis Diaz uh, from Porto. There's a mooted swap deal between him and James, um, which could come in. And the other one, um, a random one, is a really nice piece by Snake FPL on Twitter today, which mentioned Duke Corey um, as a. Uh, we, call him, we, call, we call him the Duke on um, our little Westlake group. Um, as a box to box midfielder, um, there's a good quote here from him. He said, This season, I'm looking to be going more forward and attacking 
The manager wants me to be more offensive. The first time we met, him and Rafa looking into each other's eyes, beautiful. He explained my strengths and what I have to do. We've spoken on the training pitch. He told me to, I have got to go forward and score more goals. It's one of my main qualities as a player. I want to enjoy that this season. Goodness, he, he, he should have told him to win the Ballon d'Or. Yeah, back to back. No, as a bottle sports midfielder <laughs> at that kind of level, why not? Uh, <laughs> these, these quotes oh. always drive me mad. It's like you can't use quotes as evidence. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful, though. In most people's minds, Ducore is going to be a defenseman midfielder, blah, blah, blah. But if he's got this sort of instruction from the manager, he said that, someone's elucidated that, then fair enough. That's worth that's worth kind of mentioning. The other one is Saar at Watford. 6.0, features improved. Um, at the risk of kind of super brevity, uh, the forwards, we need to go there. How yeah. important is Tasman for the forward slots? For me, it's very important. That's why I'm likely to have one premium, like Lukaku or Ronaldo on my wildcard. But Antonio, there's no way he's going anywhere. A top point scorer, a very rare hat-trick of double-digit halls. And beyond that, I guess you've got the likes of Dominic Calvert-Lewin. His XG is good. He's second for XG. But of course, pens. So without pens, he's been outstated by the likes of you know, Conor Gallagher at Palace. Um, and... Overall, it's between him and Bamford for me in terms of strikers. So Bamford 7.9, no, last game's pretty fortunate, et cetera, et cetera. Don't really know what's going on with Leeds, but no, I mean, the forwards, guys, I mean, how important is Hasman theory and what you do? If you can identify a talisman at that price, then you're laughing, really. Um, I mean, at the moment, that does look like DCL. At Everton, the added bonus off of pens this season as well. Um, traditionally for Wolves, it was it was Jimenez, and um, you know he's someone who we really want to be an option at the moment, isn't he? Because that that fixture runs brilliant, but obviously we haven't seen it yet. But if he can kind of reclaim his kind of talisman status for Wolves, then you know now would be a really good time for him to do it because he's just dropped in price. And he's just about to go on this amazing run of fixtures. So there are some, um, there are some good ones there. Yeah, like Tom mentioned, Calvert Loon. He's of course has pulled out of the England squad with an injury, so it's like we're not even sure if he'll be available in the game yeah, that follows this uh, this break. Now the, the classic talisman that we talk about in this area is Callum Wilson, James. You're gonna go course, there, yeah, tempted. He's, he's a bit of two a, bit of two a... goals already. You know, it's like we always say, you know, don't watch him, <laughs> but you know, the points seem to come. They do. You know, whenever he's fit, he's quite hard to overlook. I usually do overlook him, but maybe I need to stop overlooking him because he, you know, ever since he's he's, he's moved to Newcastle and he's been fit, he, he has been chipping away. Um, it's only really that one season where Bournemouth got relegated where he didn't kind of perform to a kind of consistent standard um you know obviously when he's fit um yeah and yeah i think you know he he's he's always right up there in terms of his xg and i think he is again this season after the upcoming game week that their fixtures improve as well yeah um, like he's he's they have him kind of talking about he's carrying a bit of a niggle and that's what forced him off the other day but the the, the reports aren't exactly they're not serious about him and it's a, it's a well-timed break for him in that sense yeah, I mean, this is exactly right. I mean, you know, I suppose if, if now there's time to pick up something like that, then, then now's the time. Um, I'm sure, you know, we'll hear more, obviously, before the beginning of the next game week. I suppose you're not bringing him in this week anyway, no. unless you're wildcarding and, and you're looking long term. Be a bit um, brave, though. It will be a bit brave. I actually do think maybe we'll drag us back to that question of uh, what is Ronaldo doing to this forward slot? And I think what he's really doing is he's making, he's obviously probably coming into teams or at least at premium. Yeah. 
is coming into your into the teams when you meant when we spoke asked you there when we were talking about midfielders a second ago I think you indicated that it was in, it was possible that you'd look at having two premium forwards in your team that's what I ended up doing so that ended up meaning that the only one of these support players I kept was Antonio I think it's entirely possible though that maybe the cautionary tale of me alone might people put people off and they might just go with one premium forward in which case you'd only really be looking at two um, and I think really what the premium kind of push has done in general has meant that what was at one point three supports forwards has now kind of squeezed as low as one, um, you yeah, know, probably two in the main. I mean, there are obviously options here. Um, I mean, Wilson, um, obviously yep. the fixtures aren't great. That doesn't matter. Um, as Anthony said preseason, he's the one who you expect to score against anybody. Um, one stat for you: um, a ridiculous seventy percent of Newcastle's XG so far is attributable to Wilson. Seventy percent. We touched as on him, but we didn't have that stat. That's insane. Yeah, and uh, three we, games obviously is a very, very, very small sample. Don't attack me and and lose that. Seven, seventeen more games, and then we'll know for sure if he's a talisman this year. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is this is the thing is that like there are so many good players in that kind of eight-ish million thing, you know, seven point five to eight. Um, yeah. But you can't have many, if any, of them except for Antonio. Let's say you, you do well to get a second one in. Yeah. That's why the cheaper forwards are really, really looking a little bit more tempting, much more tempting than I thought any of us thought <laughs> they would be. Uh, the likes oh. of Dennis at Watford. <laughs> and, <laughs> that's when you're really... Uh, yeah, that yeah, that's yeah. That's purely fixtures, isn't it? There's nothing well, else there. Right? It's also like, just like who actually starts and has a hope of scoring a goal that's less than 5.5. And like really, oh, really, uh, there isn't anyone else. Less than 5.5. So, that's that's where he's uh, kind of comes into things. Five point two right now. So obviously had two rises, and yeah, then it's Armstrong, really the new Armstrong at Southampton. Adam Armstrong, who has been pretty good so far. He's a goal and assist. Creasley have had an assist against United as well. So we could be talking about a player with three returns. Instead, we're talking about a six point zero player with two returns so far in his spell at Southampton. Uh, pretty promising, and their yep. fixtures do turn soon. They turn in time for James's wildcard. He's definitely an interesting one. I, I think he's probably underpriced, to be fair. When you look at Shea Adams coming in at, at seven, and you look at some of the other championship strikers coming in at, at 6.5, um, yeah, Armstrong was right up there in the goal-scoring charts, wasn't he, last season? And when Southampton get a good run of fixtures, definitely someone I, I'd be considering. But I think it's probably worth maybe leaving it a couple of games just to see. see. But, but so far, you know, he, he's just he's adjusted really well. Yeah, he's he's um, he's sixth he's sixth for forwards in terms of XG, which you know, of course, we're talking about three games, and some of the forwards even ahead of him, Lukaku, for example, haven't even played as many games as him. But he, he still has been at least getting you know into yeah. the right positions. He does oh, look man, quite man good when you're watching. He shoots on sight. That's the thing. He's a volume striker, so you're hoping yeah. for something out of huge volume that he puts out. Yeah, one, one guy though. I mean, Timu Puki, five point oh, nine Jesus. million talisman, ex talisman king Anthony. I mean, two seasons ago, he was talisman king. Purely fixtures based, though. I've got no stats to back this up. I mean, they've got Arsenal game week four, but <laughs> lol. Um, between now and game week 14, which uh, yeah, takes us all the way through to the start of December, they only play Chelsea game week nine. So only one bad fixture in the next 11 game weeks to worry about. If he's going to score goals, and we know that last time Puka was in the Premier League, he only scored goals in the first half of the season, it's going to be around now. So he could be one if you are majoring on Tasman theory. Um, 
he could be the one that you would look at going for. Anyway, um, let's move on to our final thing. We're going to nominate three top candidates amongst this group of kind of uh, mid-price sort of uh, uh, support players, ever-present glue guys sort of things of all the positions just to kind of go for it. Very quickly, though, because I know we've kind of just got through this uh, yeah, we've got we've had a lot to talk about in the first half of this pod. Um, I'm going to put mine forward and maybe go to to you, Jada, afterwards. Um, but mine are one uh, Rudiger at Chelsea. Um, right at the top, actually. Leave him there. I think that he could be a really, really good pick. Um, I think that I may be moving him out for sure. We'll talk about sure later on. Um, uh, number two is Torres, just because of the potential of what he could be. This could be replayed, you know, four weeks down the line when he's not really played any games and managed to sign somebody. Fair enough. Uh, but as, what I know now, a 7.1 million midfielder being Manchester's number nine, perceivably for the, the year ahead. Wow. And number three, don't forget about Antonio. Don't be the person who throws the baby out of the bathwater on the wild card. Um, I think that. You know, it's such an open book with the forwards. We didn't really just get into that too much because of time. Um, but I think that the forwards is quite hard to read at the moment. Um, and I think that Antonio is still, is at the moment, doing what we want him to do more than we want him to do. He's exceeding expectations. So I think that you know, Rudiger, Torres and Antonio are my three. Uh, James, what do you reckon quickly? Well, yeah, I mean, we've not really spoken about Antonio, have we, so far? But I suppose it's sort of because we didn't really need to. Yeah, because what I was saying, yeah. He does. And I think for that reason, he probably would be number one for me at the moment um, in terms of those mid-price players. He's just, you know, he's he's he's, exce- he's he just really is the, a, a beast, isn't he, when he's when he's fit. Um, and if, you know, supposedly he's been he's been working harder on those injuries now. And um, yeah, I mean, who, who knows if, if he could stay fit for a prolonged period, then it's, it's quite a kind of scary prospect. So I'll have him at number one. Um, I'll go with Greenwood at number two. I think he's. I, I, it's got to the point where I do. I do feel like he's playing his way into the team. I know United do have quite a, a you know, a, a, a serious number of attacking options now. But how can Oli possibly drop him at the moment? You know, it, it just. It, it doesn't seem like he. You know, he's he's been just. You just give him you Champions. Know, you give him Champions League games and stuff. This is the thing. Yeah. Yeah, and he had some, you know, exit velocity as well. You know, he finished last season, which I, I think people overlook yeah, as well. Played, he, oh, he, he was very good last year. Yeah. 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 So I think he's just going from strength to strength. So I think he's, you know, I still think he's a, a pretty good transfer in. Um, if if you don't own him, and even if you're not wild carding, I still think, you know, with those fixtures coming up, he's great. Um, God, and say third. Um, I can't, I can't. I can't believe I'm going to say it, but just for now, I might even have Shotter there. Uh, I know. I, I, I'm kind of just normally because he's someone who I would just avoid, <laughs> and, and just I have serious trust issues with him. But oh, I guess assuming Firmino is going to be out for a couple of weeks, I think Jota's got a couple of really good fixtures now to stake his claim. With Jota, is that I, I do feel like Liverpool just aren't as good attacking wise as some of the other attacks are with premium assets in there, and so that's why I feel like go with Jota for now especially when it looks like he's going yeah. to be staying in the team I didn't think <laughs> I didn't think he wouldn't start in the in game week three but you know as it turns out he's nailed now so that helps but yes I, I still actually wouldn't put Jota in this because we're kind of maybe focusing on the nailed aspect of you know not moving these players on I think maybe I'd be taking Absolutely, yeah, Tom's yeah. lead on this and thinking about the players who aren't moving and so with that in mind he went for Ruger I would point to Diaz as um, my number one pick in this slot I just feel that that 
City defence is so solid, but what Diaz gives you for that little bit more money is a serious goal threat. And, you know, it would not be surprising to find him with five goals at the end of the season. That's pretty good for a defender who's also going to be churning out clean sheets in pretty much every second game. Uh, I know there's a serious irony to me picking a defender first in this when I haven't actually put one of them into my side, but the plan was always to get one in there eventually in a few weeks. But yes, uh, secondly, I would put Antonio. I feel like he's kind of until or no, I don't want to say until if he gets an injury, he obviously falls out of this. But on, up until that might happen, he has to be someone that we'll be keeping into our side. West Ham just look too good right now. And thirdly, as long as there isn't any moves, I would say Torres has to be the third one here. It's all for all the arguments that Tom made, basically, about the fact that he is a seemingly nailed on starting central player in the Man City team. They're only one signing away from that being completely ruined, or Jesus getting a run in the middle and doing well there. But for now, those would be the trio I would choose. No, fair play. And um, I think this it's obviously interesting to speak about this because we're looking at the ways in which Ronaldo is going to change FPL and change FPL management. And the way it could make it is to force the focus upon these particular players who are going to be in your teams that you're looking to make a long-term investment on. These are all players we've mentioned who are going to be sat there, stuck there, that you're not going to be looking at, hopefully, in terms of making transfers. So hopefully I'll look at them and the way in which we've spoken about them and the way in which we've analysed them is going to be useful to you in terms of how you put your teams together um, going forward in this new context, in this new FPL environment. All right, take a break here and we'll move on to Ronaldo himself in the correspondence just after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's time to get into our correspondence. Yeah, Louis Harris got in touch here to talk about something that's going to lead us on here, Anthony, isn't it? Yeah, and the correspondence section is an extremely versatile slot, so often it's just listeners' questions coming in in a long form, but sometimes it can be much more creative endeavours like poems and like songs and anything else that comes with it. Who got the assist at gmail.com is the way to get this, them to us. Uh, if you have time on WhatsApp and you want to send something like a voice note, then you know you can just send him that instead. <laughs> so there's yeah, there's lots of different ways you can get stuff in for the correspondence section. But indeed, yes, Louis Harris did write in this time, and he's talking about that the big elephant in the room, and that is CR7. So his email went like this: Hi guys, hope you're well. Only started playing FBL last year, and I love the podcast. Just wondering now that Ronaldo has joined Manchester United, what the hell do I do? I have Bruno and Salah, and was looking to get in Son, but with the arrival of Ronaldo, do double up on Bruno and CR7 and swap out Salah is that what I should do should I forget about Son or perhaps avoid CR7 altogether all the best Louis and what Louis is getting at is a question that we've kind of had touched upon by some others who have written into us as well some guy called Nick messaged us on WhatsApp and he was asking us to rank Bruno, Salah Lukaku, Kane, Ronaldo uh, for the next little while and was wondering whether two of those players would be enough and Sean McCullough also wrote in and he was throwing shade at the Bruno, Bruno owners by asking, is it time to move off Bruno? And will Mason Greenwood be affected by Ronaldo? So an awful lot of questions kind of coming in with the arrival of Ronaldo. But just in general, James, what the hell do you do when you've got Ronaldo coming in? How many premiums are you going to have? Is he the only one? Is he going to complement one or two, in fact? And maybe do a bit of a ranking on Nick's question as well. Just a few questions. <laughs> Uh, do you know what? I mean, I haven't spoken about it so far, but with Ronaldo, I'm really tempted just to jump straight in. Um, obviously, that is going to involve um, two things. It's going to involve waiting towards nearer the time to find out if we get any 
early little kind of hints as to as to whether or not he's going to play you know sometimes with such a high profile transfer you 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 get a journalist coming through with you know Ronaldo set to start I mean we'd be lucky to but it might happen Ole's already said that you know he's not going to sit on the bench yeah, which I think is a yeah. bit of an indication that it'd be very surprising if he sat on the bench at the very first time. Now, but you never know. You know Ronaldo you has a very tough international break fixture against the Republic of Ireland coming up, though. You know, might not be recovered after. So the legs might be, yeah. Look, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think if it looks like he's going to start, I will be very tempted to, because I've got two free transfers, to kind of do something which involves kind of swapping Bruno out for him, which yeah. obviously could backfire. I mean, he's got a good record against everyone, doesn't he? But... <laughs> yes, it's, like, it's like, and if he doesn't have a good record against them, I think it's just, you know, coincidence. You can probably cherry pick some stats to make it look like Ronaldo's a great record against Newcastle. Cherry pick uh, some stats, like literally to make him a good pick against anyone. And I think this is the problem with Ronaldo, isn't it? Does he, because of that, and the fact that you could probably cherry pick a stat to make him good against anyone, does he rank number one in the premiums for you now? Or does Salah and his... I think it'll always be nice. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it will still be Mo for me. I just, I, you know, we, we I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess Ronaldo would be higher. Uh, he could be higher after a few weeks, but we, we don't know what this iteration of Ronaldo can do in the Premier League. The template that Zlatan offered, and I know it's a very changed United team under different management and things, but I think the template that Zlatan offered us where yeah. uh, an older central player who isn't all that mobile except in short bursts comes in and hogs chances, hogs, you know, that final possession for his team. I think that's why he knocks Bruno down um, in terms of interest. Yeah. And for me, I know you've mentioned Mason Greenwood already and we've talked about him. So we won't go too much into Sean McCall's question on that. But I think that, I think Ronaldo just sucks the oxygen out of an awful lot of their assets. And this speaking as a United fan who's very excited to have him back, mm. I think he does affect the others seriously. I think that's true. I, I think, um, you know, what does he do to the penalties, to the penalty situation? You know, that that's not cut and dry. He, um, I would probably be like 60-40 in favour of Ronaldo taking them off Bruno. 60-40? Really? Cristiano Ronaldo effectively he's, he's managed that Portuguese team at the Euros and he wasn't even <laughs> having Bruno on the pitch. He's having them, <laughs> having them 100%. You, you reckon? Okay, yeah. Because obviously, you know, the, the, the debates out there have kind of, you know, they've been roaring all week. Uh, on that subject but if, if, yeah, if Cristiano I, Ronaldo was able to convince uh, Juve and Real beforehand to allow him to always take free kicks in spite of the fact that every, so many of his teammates had better conversion rates even over a long term and everything I, and I suspect it's almost like a stipulation of having him in the team is that he has to be given these set pieces well that that just makes me want him even more really that's it could I get a ranking out of you for those so for Bruno Salah Lukaku Kane Ronaldo so I think it's my number one still. Yeah. Um, oh, it's tough. I I, I think. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> Nick question. Nick, it's tough. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> just a bit, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. So. Uh, so yeah. I think I'd, I'd go in Mo. Uh, um, Ronaldo, Ronaldo and Lukaku can 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 jostle it out for for two or th- two and three. I'm gonna be on the fence there a little bit because. Um, if we're talking long term, I think you know they they could score. So you're are you relegating your man Kane to fourth and then completely giving up on Bruno? Yeah, I mean, I I still think they're all good picks. Um, you <laughs> know, <James. laughs> funnily enough. So you know, don't don't take my word for it. But yeah, I think Kane Kane fourth at the moment, just because I think you know we might get a few one nils with under under Nuno. Fair play. Um... 
yeah for me it's uh yeah Salah's a hero in FPL terms so it's uh, obviously Ronaldo belongs to an era before us when like obviously he would probably have dominated the stats in midfield that's for sure in what we know right now in the terms of like tangible data that we've got um Salah remains an FPL hero for me uh, I'm not going to go into why that is if anyone listens to this podcast for a while they're going to know that um Salah is first for me. I think Ronaldo in his current incarnation, Man United, could well be just ridiculous. He could be you know, an RVP kind of style set and forget captain. Um, so I think he is probably second with Lukaku in third. And Bruno and Kane's going to be interesting um, if you can go there. I think that that's going to be kind of the ethos of what we're talking about in terms of being aggressive and having that sort of extra kind of space to move around the template I think that Bruno having him in there I mean obviously with extra points for a goal um, more routes to you know, a different sort of um, uh, the bonus whatever um, and Kane what seemed like at Spurs this year are we going to see the same sort of season last year we just don't know maybe it's convenient for us all to kind of just assume Kane's going to have a terrible season now because he's annoyed is that going to happen probably not is he probably going to be in the mix again probably it's going to be really, really difficult there, actually, to differentiate between Ronaldo, Kaku, and Kane. I think that last year, we all kind of reluctantly clicked into Kane. Oh, we'd all want midfielders who do the job for you because because they've got more routes to points. But the reality is that it's tough. They're all good picks. <laughs> but I think I'm going to take a slightly yeah. different turn on this, and I'm actually going to rank Lukaku number one for me. Fair enough. I feel that that, Chelsea, that that Chelsea team creates so many chances and he is unlike with United where you can point to others and unlike Liverpool where you can point to others and even unlike at Spurs where you can point to others. I think with Chelsea in particular, mm. there, he is a focal point and he is... The talisman theory brilliant. angle, right? This is it. It is a talisman theory angle, but it's it's almost like, a you know, who are the sidekicks there at Chelsea? And they're all very good creators. They're good goal scorers and brilliant footballers in their own right. But I feel like Lukaku has been brought in to do one job and one job only. It's what they needed, isn't it? It, it really is. is and, so, and so that's actually why I rank him first. I rank Ronaldo second. I very much believe that he's going to take the oxygen out of Bruno. I don't like saying that, but I do believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that actually leads me to rank Salah as the third. I'm going to put Kane fourth and Bruno fifth in the, the Nick questions order. No, fair play I- Salah a lot. But I think that you know, Ronaldo, I'm expressly leaving 0.5 million for him in my wildcard. And um, OGS shockingly, shockingly said, that, of course, he's not doing on the bench. And Steve views him as a striker. In the surprise, <laughs> virtually no one except a few people on Twitter who have never clearly seen anything of him um, over the last few years. Uh, yeah. The potential of what he can do is really big as well. And um, there's a good tweet by a listening account on Twitter called FL Woods World. Did some analysis, which caught my eye this week. Um, he says analytics, which showed that moving from the Premier League, uh, sorry, moving from Serie A to the Premier League, sees a decrease in XG about 22%. So his Ronaldo's average XG in Serie A was 25.3. Um, that breaks down to 19.73 in the Premier League. But he's overperformed the last few years. So that means you add an extra 1.7 XG as a kind of a mean addition of his overperformance over the last few years, which gives you 21.3 XG is what they expect from Ronaldo this year, looking at the past few years. But that 21.3 XG basically would put him level with Salah 
last year in terms of him being top of XG. I think all in all, he could be an absolute monster. Um, it's not. It's just going to be goals. There's not going to be many assists in there because it's Ronaldo. But make no mistake about it, though. There will likely be a lot of them in a way that we can count on as well. I mean, also captain, maybe. And Anthony's points about Lukaku, huge. I think Lukaku as an individual um, could be absolutely fantastic. And from game week seven onwards, if you don't own Lukaku, I think you could be buried very, very quickly. Um, but Ronaldo-wise, will he be hugely owned? He definitely will. I think that that probably is the key one to to kind of just say there. Um, and I completely agree as well um, that Bruno probably may have a bit of an oxygen starve about him. Um, but I could see why you keep him, you know, now if you were, you know, obviously if you're not wildcarding, that's pretty clear. If you are wildcarding, I could see why you could keep him with Newcastle next and a really decent chance face 90 minutes. Um yeah, overall, I mean, he's quite low on my listing of the top five in terms of the premiums. Just going to ask, because obviously um, uh, Nick's question was was talking specifically about the next five. Um, with that in mind, uh, Anthony, would you would you still have Lukaku number one, even even considering he's got you know a couple of tough fixtures coming up? Uh, after yeah, this, Villa? this is the thing. Yeah, I I feel like the Villa fixture number one is a particularly good start there, especially with Emi Martinez um, still going to be in quarantine at that point. So that Villa game, Villa oh, haven't absolutely. been that great defensively so far, anyway. Uh, the Spurs match, I suspect that the fact that they have three clean sheets so far shouldn't put me off. I don't know if you would disagree with me <laughs> in that, James. Yeah, and the, the City game, like, you know, yeah. big player for a big game. Then it's Southampton and Brentford. So I'm actually not that concerned about those fixtures. And kind of when I got Lukaku in, I wasn't concerned at all. The Chelsea yeah. were very, very good against Liverpool in the time that they had 11 men on the pitch. And they were very, very good in a different way when they had 10 men on the pitch. And Lukaku, you know, it didn't work out on the day, but depending on what you look at, he had a point two something or a point four XG, depending on which website you go to. But either way, he still had his chances, even in a game where there weren't many opportunities for a player like him to get a go. So, yeah, no, I, I kind of maintain that, that I just feel it's just because Chelsea create so many chances and I feel like they can roll over anyone. I just kind of but they needed him. I can he, that Chelsea are definitely on the level with Man City now, where they've got the depth of squad, where they're going to every kind of game versus them, no matter what the FDR um, on the FPL site tells you, they, they are have, the bad fixture. They are they the have danger. That, they have that depth of squad in every position, but his position. You know, like yeah, he's the absolutely. one that they re, they need. Um, whereas with Ronaldo, with even even Kane to an extent, you can kind of see how you know he can just be left out of the team for a little bit. I feel like with Lukaku, they just learned a lesson far too big last season, and how they you know the reason why they couldn't really contend. And yeah. so I feel like Lukaku will be needed anyway. I feel like that rounds out that correspondence section. We've dug into it nicely. Thanks very much to. Uh, <laughs> to Louis for writing into us. Louis wrote into who got the assist at gmail.com with his question, but you can write in with pretty much anything and we'll probably find a way to get it into a pod very, very soon. <laughs> Let's move Absolutely on to the will. listeners' questions. Yeah, a very, very uh, short listener questions this week. I'm aware that we've uh, gone over in the first half of the pod. Um, will it get easier with Arsenal assets? Easier spend, spell ESR. Um, there are a couple of questions here. Anthony, can you pronounce the first gentleman's name for me? I don't want to offend him. Uh, that's Owen. Owen. Okay. Um, so at E 
zero ghan zero owen zero it's owen zero <laughs> yeah but he's got he's got zero for the g for these yeah for the o. so um uh, owen zero on twitter and that uh, right mcshawn uh, wrote him about arsenal um here um so owen said you know he's got ben white earmarked to start next week against norwich should i hold faith in his defensive fixtures and uh, ESR, um, right, Sean asks, you know, does ESR have much upside when Arsenal field a healthy and fit striker, considering him going forward? Yeah, Arsenal. I'm worried. Obviously, uh, we expect to get, and there was a case to say we were unlucky not to get a result against Brentford. Um, obviously, it could be said there were key men missing at inopportune moments. I'd further say that the most deluded, <laughs> the only the most deluded Arsenal fan would say that we were in any position to get anything against Chelsea or City. They were both free hits as, as far as I was concerned. And that probably speaks to the state of the club at the moment. But the, the manner of those defeats was quite something. I mean, yes, we can hide behind that personnel shortage. You know, that's a Gabriel, that's a White being um, done with COVID, party not being around, Shaka uh, being uh, typically brainless. But the manner of those oh Arsenal face palm performances is quite something to behold. And um, as I put on Twitter, I was reminded of what mutual friend of all of us here, uh, Adam Pritchard, said on Planet FPL's Clash of Correspondence recently about Arteta wanting to play Pep Guardiola football, but not having Pep Guardiola players. Yeah, Pep Clotet players, don't he? Doesn't he really? Um, the pushment of this was fielding a potentially inept player in a class match against Man City of all teams. Klasnach being a player that would look to palm off to Turkey. It's, it's really, really worrying. And that's compounded by today, where you've got Bellerin looking to Barcelona and Ainsley Maitland-Niles pleading to leave on Instagram. And I know it's Norwich next, um, and maybe that's kind of where Owen's question comes from, and I hope we can turn it around. Um, then we've got Burnley followed by North London Derby. If you've got our players, particularly White and ESR at those prices, then sure. I mean, those players are going to be, we hope and pray, at the forefront of a galvanizing return to form. The season starts in game week four and all that. But, I mean, as I said with Tierney earlier on, my worry is that I'm not too sure where this is going to go. I feel like there's a whole situation in the club is very poisonous. I don't really want to ally my fandom with owning Arsenal assets. So if you're considering buying Arsenal players, I would say, no, step away. You've got other things you could be doing, which are much better. If you do own Arsenal players, then it's perfectly reasonable to be going into that with them and not spending the extra transfer. Um, but for me, um, I'm not saying I, tr- I did the wild card because of Ben White. Um, but I mean, he was a player that I had no worries about getting rid of just because, I mean, I know it's Norwich next. I, mean, I know that's the kind of team that we historically bully. Um, but are we going to do that now? I'm not mm. too sure. I mean, the, the players are at a great price, so I'm not going to be missing out too much, especially with the ownership as it is. Um, but yeah, all in all, I think that, yeah, if you're looking to buy, then buy, don't sell, basically. I'll be very brief and then I'll just let you um, let rip, James. But I guess for me, I kept White or I brought White back in actually on my wildcard. I sold him when he was 4.5 and then rebought him back in when he was 4.4. The logic behind that was basically because I think that at 4.4 and less, there aren't many defenders um, outside of, let's say, Livramento who I would have been interested in. And so I decided, you know what, let's stick him back in and Arsenal have a few good fixtures and something might go right for them eventually. Uh, so that's why he ended up making it into my squad. But I guess 
bring us back into the discussion earlier in the podcast. I think if you are going to have any support defenders at all, I think it's the, the white slot in my defensive uh, five is the one that would go uh, because Arsenal have shown nothing to make you too confident in their defence so far. Uh, further forward, I'm still not interested in their assets. Hilariously, I did have Pepe, of course, in game week one. Almost worked out. But uh, I'm glad that I am not going to be tied to that any further. Uh, James? Yeah, so I think this is a real test of whether you're a, a, a form or fixtures type manager, isn't it? Really, um, certainly if you're if you're buying into Arsenal now, then then you're you know you're probably the latter. Um, but you know the, the the prices aren't terrible. Um, we we saw instances last season of Arsenal of going on on runs of, of fixtures where they would at least look like keeping clean sheets. I'm remembering you know Rob Holding coming in really cheap last season and going on a, a run of games where he would pick up the odd nine pointer even um, oh, amazing assist uh, from the yeah players. yeah there was that one week as well I remember that one I think we both had him yeah that was a you know that was a one-off for sure but um but yeah you know that I think if they if Arsenal can settle down um obviously that there, there's a lot of turmoil around uh, you know I, I don't know what's what's going to happen with Arteta but you know, if he's if he you know if he's able to settle it down and, and start calming it down a bit and, and maybe at least keeping it tight at the back, then yeah, Ben White you know looks like a, a potentially you know potential bargain. I going forward, you know, I've got ESR. Um, I have had him since game week one. hasn't really paid off yet, but he's been on the bench for for two out of those three weeks. Um, and I'm hoping that you know he he's shown some promise. I think in those his in those you know well maybe not so much last game, but certainly game week two. I think you know he his his data was okay. In fairness, it was even ESR who was the one who closed down Ederson that almost you know in in a True. different oh, way yeah. might have had the ball find its way into the net. FIFA <laughs> tackle it into the net. But, the but yeah, against, against Brentford, he was certainly the um, Arsenal player that kind of stood out a mile as well. So that that makes me hopeful that you know he yeah I'm not going to get into the whole debate about whether oh Odegaard <laughs> means he I'm not going to I'm not going to poke that hornet's nest um, but um, I, I I think yeah I think you know that he, he, I I feel I'm 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 going to be starting him for the first time since game week one against Norwich because you know yeah. what why wouldn't I so you know I, I and obviously he has gone down to five point four so if you do need an enabler then I think you could probably you probably could do worse than you know. Than, than, yeah. than looking at a double switch involving downgrading someone to him in order to get one of our, you know, new sort of premium targets. Um, yeah. No, certainly, certainly. Uh, nah, oh, I, I, I'm probably going to tag out. I'm, probably, I'm going to go with Semedo <laughs> over Tierney. That, that is a situation we're now with, and I'm going to go with that. No more um, Arsenal. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, let's move on to striker chat um, very, very quickly. Um so sweet blue twenty three asks if Jimenez, Jimenez, Jimenez. Do we say do we say ch or j here? I'm I would go for a ch. Jimenez is a is a viable Jimenez. option despite zero goals. As Jimenez, no, yeah. no, it's not, it's, no, no, is a Spanish. Oh, thing, that's right? a Spanish versus yeah, Mexico he, thing, isn't it? Yeah, does he go for the Z? Jimenez, um, Jimenez. A option despite zero goals. And from the pod, FPL Juninho. Chris asks, firstly, which premium four we would choose out of Kaku and Ronaldo? I think we've already covered that, so let's go into that. And he asks, if Kane is now Anthony's pit guy, oh, uh, I'll make another reference to pick up uh, for you, Anthony, there. Uh, the idea cool. of the man that you're very upset with. Um, I think that um, just to do the cover off the Jimenez point before you maybe jump into the if you hate Kane or not point uh, is 
uh, worth doing. Uh, so my worry with Jimenez is probably pretty clear. Um, he's actually second for shots this season on the strikers with 12, but just one taken in the first 20 minutes versus United was actually on target. His XG is 0.66, so 12 shots, 0.66 XG. Probably tells you what you need to know. The guy's a bit rusty, I think. And he used to be you know, all about converting those sole chances. It's not quite happening. The Wolves are creating, um, but I worry about him as his role in terms of that attack. There's lots of like, very tidy link-up play, which we saw this this game week at United as well. Um, but is there much more than that? I mean, obviously the fixtures are well worth looking at. What for Brentford Saints, Newcastle have mentioned. But I just fancy Antonio Calvert-Lewin and Bamford ahead of him currently. Um, Anthony, do you hate Kane? No, no, no. I had to uh, look up pit guy there on Urban Dictionary. Uh, is the person who you would put at the bottom of the pit, Silence of the Lamb style, popularized by How I Met Your Mother. And I was like, what sort of definition gives me another reference? I'm illiterate when it comes to references. <laughs> I've not seen Silence of the Lambs either. So I'm still I'm still lost. But no, um, Kane, no, I don't. Um, I, I think he'll stay in my team for another week. I'll be transfers and captains. We'll get to that in a second. But no, 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 no. It's just one of those things. I guess James very much talked about it enough earlier that, you know, he is someone who just frustrates you with a blank and then scores and somehow finds his way to 20 plus goals in the season finds his way to 200 plus points in FPL and sometimes you get the points and sometimes you don't get the points and you just gotta take with the punches you know the thing is that maybe I'd hate Kane if the rest of my team did well but his captaincy cost me but the fact that literally 10 of my players blanked and Antonio so it means that like I can't how can I hate so him just, I'd have to un- hate un- everyone unhated un- by the fact that everybody else routinely failed yep. all right Final question this week, um, wildcard party time. Uh, Karim Tizer, a friend of the pod uh, via WhatsApp, asked uh, if this international break is the perfect time to be wildcarding uh, with Lukaku and Ronaldo hanging about, Kane staying at Spurs. Does that all prompt a reshuffle? A nice segue uh, to the transfers and captains, because obviously I've wildcarded. Hello. Um, so I had a bit of a mayor team before this is not bad not the worst team in the world um but i have wild carded since um just to go through kind of why i've done so um it's a bit of an investment behavior overall so it's a long-term and medium-term thing and did a short-term thing um but the long term is always clear i wanted the wild card as Dot said earlier around kind of game week seven game week eight that was always the time i kind of looked at it um and for me, the medium term, I always thought it was a bit more straightforward. You know, just just kind of ride those transfers, make it all work until um, you know, game week, uh, game week seven. And I rolled the transfers this week, which is yeah, a bit weird to wild card into having two free transfers. But I'm doing the analysis last night, and that is Sunday night, given when we're recording. I thought it was worth doing. Also, Anthony, I know it didn't quite work out for you this week, but um, you're unlucky in many ways, as discussed. Um, but Anthony kind of planted the seed last week with the impact the early wildcard had for many. Um, I spoke to a couple of people in DM this week, uh, Tom Epel, physio, I spoke to this morning, for example. I'll basically tell you what I told him. Uh, so I did the analysis last night on what my intended game week 18 looked like, and it was only 0.5 million wiggle room uh, around that. And I also kind of saw that my game week 14. Um, if I wildcarded, would be just as serviceable as if I did it in game week seven. So it kind of worked out as being a bit of a kind of a long-term sort of investment. Then I got a barrage of tweets, so I kind of did a tweet about it. Um, but I guess one thing that I did write on that is that 
I think wildcarding is quite an emotive issue as well. Like there's lots of dismissal going on early. I've certainly been that guy. I've been that guy going, oh, look what that guy's done. Oh, he's panicked. He's lost it. That FPL stag is wildcarding in game week two. <laughs> oh, ah. Um, an FPL stag who was at that point like what twelve or thirteen points ahead of you, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't think I've I, I don't think I've got it all. Um, I, I, I've got to look at blind spot bias and think, yeah, obviously I kind of know that I'm not going to be able to encompass everything. Uh, but I, what I do think is that I've got a long term investment in the team that I'm going to do, um, in light of my and our I guess WGC analysis of how the season's shaping up. And this translates into the team I've got here. So I've got the Watford double up in nets. I mean, J-Dot's also got Backman um, and Foster, but Backman's seven saves versus Spurs piqued my interest um, because their fixtures brighten up considerably after this. And him and Foster, the only kind of viable king in air uh, setup going. So 8.5 million, I refuse to spend more on that. Trent stays as the short at the moment, but he's under a real threat from Rudiger. Um, uh, we spoke about that earlier on. Uh, the third defender is likely to be Samedo, um, just because I think that the next kind of few games are worth having him in. That that kind of next four are really really nice. As that's purely fixture driven, given how advanced he is in the Lager system. The fourth and fifth defenders are the enabling gifts, who are Livermento and Brandon Williams. Midfield Salah stays as the as does Ben Rama. I'm not going to fall into the trap of throwing the baby out of the bathwater like I did last year with the likes of Selling Kane and Son. Um, but Bruno does go out for Greenwood, which I'm still not entirely sure about. Um, there's that kind of laughable default of, I'm not going to captain him. Therefore, he's a lot of cash. Therefore, he's not worth me owning. And that money's gone to a Ford slot. Yeah, equally, I can see hindsight kicking me in the balls pretty hard. Lol, I sold Bruno versus Newcastle is what I may be saying next week. Um, but in a way, similar to what Anthony was saying about selling Salah versus Chelsea, obviously the two are not at all uh, mutually intelligible. Uh, elsewhere, I've got uh, Ferran Torres, as I spoke about earlier. And Alan is a meme pick as the five four point five, just because I want some sort of Darius. Meme pick? Meme pick? He was actually the second highest scoring player yeah, on my team yeah, this but week, but he was on the bloody bench. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He played like four chances as well, didn't he? Which, like, I think. You're you're saying that that's surprised James. This just matches. This is his underlying (laughs) stats taken to their nth degree. Like the man's a prodigy. Yeah, great meme pick. And up up front, um, Antonio stays as well. Next him, I've got DCL, who may be Bamford, and there may be some who say, "Oh, no leads," because they've got a great run of fixtures actually over the next kind of 10, 11 game weeks, and it could be a great long-term investment in Bamford, but. I was a bit concerned uh, by what I saw of Leeds. I think there's a bit of lack of quality in the final third. I'm not sure whether the, what they do has become a little bit more kind of predictable. Obviously, I'm not saying Leeds are going to be relegated in the same way Sheffield United were. Um, but you know, Sheffield United had a very particular way of playing and maybe Leeds do as well. So maybe teams are becoming a lot more kind of aware of that. Um, but for me, I'm going to just kind of take a step back on Leeds for the moment. But they're all gettable from where I am at the moment. So I'm not entirely concerned about that. So Antonio DCL and the first striker slot is a bit of a big. Um, I've got Kaku at the moment. No Martinez versus Villa. And um, I think that that could be very tasty. And long term, he could be a very valid set and forget, as Anthony's mentioned earlier. But this team, million in the bank, I can swap Kaku for Ronnie in line with our aggressive strategy ideas. Anyway, I'm playing price at the moment. Um, but what do you guys think, especially with uh, obviously the international breaks there as well? Um, but 
yeah, I mean, Anthony Wildcard already is this sort of team you go for if you were doing it this week rather than last week. Yeah, there's there's bits of it I'd agree with anyway. Yeah, like the the goalkeepers are interesting. That, that, that to... was the least ring endorsement I've ever heard. This is <laughs> sorry, a damning sorry. debate phrase. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's some bits I'd agree with, but most of it's absolute BS. You absolute no. idiot. <laughs> sorry, I wouldn't say with San. I went for Sanchez in goal and just stuck with my Sanchez Renarsson thing. I think that. You've a compelling argument there with Bachman and Foster. I just basically Watford feel an awful lot better after only losing by one goal to Spurs a week earlier. They felt, yeah, I was much more negative about it. How the their sa- it's the same, it's the same. That's the thing, then. it is. It so, is. That's, yeah, yeah. Um, looking across the defense, sorry, James, I'll just fly through it. Uh, looking across the defense, I'd be a yeah. bit concerned that you're living off two 4.0s. I know, of course, they seem pretty set right now, but yeah. you know, it's like it's how second and third defender because you've got Alan yeah. there who's going to yeah. do it off me, right. True, but I personally wouldn't be too keen on Shaw. I've kind of previously discussed. I think I would just go for the Rudiger pick there. To be yeah, perfectly honest okay. with you, uh, going across the midfield, like, oh, are you really gonna do? Like, I don't think getting rid of Ben Rama is throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I think it's throwing out the expected baby with the bathwater. You know, it's like, is he really like, is he really as good as we thought he was? Like, I don't think so. So, um, honestly, like, you could get rid of well, him. Well, and go well, for something well, ambitious. Well, they go there though, because you've got Southampton, United, Leeds, and Brentford the next four. You see, this is it. Break, and yeah, I've made like maybe it's just him. See, so, maybe it's just easier to keep him and just yeah sink yeah, the ship is, for a while. Yeah, Greenwood, fair enough. Like that's that's a that's a belief thing on what you think is going to happen with uh, Ronaldo coming in. Basically, do you think that the oxygen is going to be sucked out of them? You've already got rid of Bruno, so that's, you haven't used the word, but I'm going to just uh, put it on you and say that there's an element of coverage there. Yeah, and of course. then um, and then across the front line, like yeah, it's hard to argue with them. I personally am just not too gone on Calvert Lewin, but I can totally see why people uh, have him. I'm, in I'm the same actually. I think his his non pen XG is nothing really. He could easily yeah. Bamford. Really yeah. easy, Bamford. I think that's the EO concession there. And he's, he's actually pulled out of the England squad now because he's injured. Yeah, so um, yeah. So I could totally see how you could go for someone else there. And honestly, I could see how he becomes someone like Adam Armstrong, for example, saves you up a little bit of money. And, like, yeah, I'd get fluky there if, it, if I was doing that. I, okay, I'd take but, the risk. But there, you, but, yeah, but there you go. You're still, there's a fair bit of cash there that you could free up and do something with if you really wanted to as well. So yeah, no, there's plenty of options there. It's a strong wildcard team. Um, the faint praise that I dabbed at the start was, too harsh <laughs> it was no it's a good it's a good wildcard team and it's hard to argue with a lot of it james yeah no i like it, it it's it's yeah it, it's around about where i think i would be if i was wildcarding um my I, I mean i suppose you are perhaps a little bit light on united but it's it's the domino effect of ronaldo isn't it i mean if if he's going to start then you know that, that everything changes um because then Bruno becomes less attractive an option, or so you know, so we think. Um, but then, obviously, you know, you, you've got Greenwood in there, um, and you know, Lu- Lukaku looks. I'm very jealous that you both have him because I think you know he really could do the damage against Villa. So that could, you know, whilst we're you know, whilst other people are looking at Ronaldo, you're looking at Lukaku, who looks like he could very well get a, a, a decent score against Villa. So. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I think I'm, that's I'm it. Not, I'm just not sure of it, that Ronaldo. If, as you said earlier on, if there are rumblings that he's yeah. going to start against Newcastle, then he is definitely in. And I'm going to probably yeah. um, either think about do I want Lukaku in and go to a three-five-two, yeah. as Anthony mentioned earlier on, or do I want to kind of just kind of make that early swap and then think about a way to get Lukaku in the game week seven, do some extra kind of you know, off-grid planning. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, I'm glad it's not too terrible. I haven't made too many glaring errors, according to you two. Uh, let's move on to uh, James. Um, I mean, you've yeah. got a three-five-two here, and you've got the reddest squad I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, I in my was life. like, wow, I, I was like, say the same. It's like, where's the blue? Not great for a Spurs fan, really. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, it's uh, you know, I, I've got two free transfers, and I've got one point five million in the bank because um, I started with two million. I've used uh, 0.5 up on uh, development to Kufal already. Um, Sufal, should I say. Um, and, yeah, so, I mean, in my head, I've kind of got this kind of Ronaldo switcheroo planned. But as we've said a few times now, it all depends on whether we get a kind of a, an indication of a start, um, in which case I'm I'm toying with the idea of, of selling Ings, Fernandez, and uh, Simicas. Um, and that would allow me to get um, Ronaldo um, if he's going to start. Um, it would allow me to get Jota in for Fernandez, and it would allow me to get. It really is treason season because I'm also thinking about Semedo um, in for Simicas. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, which would, I mean, it would give me a bit of a benching headache because um, you know I'd be benching one of Ben Rama, Smith Rowe, Sufel, or Semedo. So. Um, yeah, that that would obviously buy me a benching headache, which I, I don't like having at all. Um, but I do think those are three pretty strong players to be bringing in: um, Ronaldo, Jota, Semedo. Um, yeah, <laughs> inarguably very, very good. Not much else yeah. to, to say. Um, yeah, fair enough. And uh, finally, Anthony, um, you're gonna just say f you to everybody and uh, roll it, I believe. Uh, yeah, it's, it's tempting me anyway, but like, come back to me when we get something about Ronaldo days before game week four. But as it stands right now, I'll go ahead with Sanchez in goal across the back line, Sufal, Cody, and probably actually White, um, which means I'll be benching Ailing and Livramento. Then in midfield, I'll have Benrama, Rafinha, Fernandez, and Jota benching the hero that is Alan. Um, may bite me in the bat again. And then up front, right now, I have the captaincy on Romelu Lukaku at home to Aston Villa, who are without Emmy Martinez. I have Harry Kane, who is away to Crystal Palace. And I have Antonio, vice captain, away to Southampton. If I, I was I, to get I, Ronaldo in, how am I going to get him in? Is that the question? No, I was going to say, I feel like you need to play Alan at some point this year, just as a It'll come. session. It'll come. It'll come. It'll come. Right. There'll be a disaster occur, and I will. I could like honestly. The thing is that the hilarious thing is that I would have ended up playing him in game week three if I hadn't wildcarded. <laughs> the squad would have been so tight that he'd have ended up playing, and I'd have got those sweet sweet eight points, and I'd be Ugh. here gloating. But anyway, uh, enough of that. Um, and so they, where would I get Ronaldo in if I was to do it right now? It's 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 obviously between selling either Lukaku or Kane. I have one point five one point one million in the bank intentionally to set myself up for this sale. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure who I would sell. I, to be honest, I think given that I have the captaincy on Lukaku, I think that shows which of the two I'm favouring right now. So it would probably be Kane who'd be getting the boot, but that's not because I'm putting him in any pit as Chris' question asked earlier. It's just because <laughs> I would just be trying to get Ronaldo in. Uh, so yeah, no, it's a, it's a strong squad. This would mean I would go into that game with both Ronaldo and Bruno, which is it feels excessive, but there was always kind of there was going to be a one week period where I would have both of them, and I was okay with that. And it might turn out to be you know hilariously great as they both assisted and scored for each other. But whatever, that's that's where we are right now. Uh, but there is a strong, strong temptation to just do nothing and just stick with it because I kind of feel like sometimes you can go into a panic zone after a bad wild card or just after a bad game week and start to try and change things. 
and then find that the team that you know you you'd given trust in a week earlier just finds its way back. It's completely you know you know horse crap in terms of like there's no statistical basis to this. But this is just some one of these things that I've observed over time, and <laughs> yeah. I don't want to just I don't want to just just guy. get too frustrated yeah, and rash. Yeah. This is it. But, yeah. but at the end of the day, if, if there are changes to make, you should make. Right, I think that probably is it, isn't it, Anthony? Yes, indeed. Yeah. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. We were Who Got the Assist. We would greatly appreciate if you could leave a five-star review if you liked what you heard. If you want to see us rather than listening to us, we are on YouTube. The video will never replace the audio, but certainly does supplement the audio at times. So I think you may enjoy that. Correspondence, if you want to send it in, who got the assist at gmail.com with your poems, addendums, questions, anything that there might be. Thanks very much, James, for joining us today. Yeah, no, thanks very much for having me on, guys, and giving me my, my, my podcasting debut. It's been very enjoyable. And um, yeah, hopefully, you know, be on again soon. Yeah. And if you want to uh, hear James's hear James's tweets, you can't hear his tweets. They're not that good. But if you want to read his tweets, <laughs> if you want to read his tweets, you'll find them at FPL underscore JQ. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on, Jay. Uh, very good to have you on. Um, we hope to assist you uh, ahead of game week four. Really enjoy that international break. Take some time to self-care. We'll be back um, after game week four. I'll speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Ciao. Thanks very much. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.